Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. Well, good morning. My name's Alex. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Pastor Jim is out of town this weekend, but he'll be back next weekend. Uh, speaking about Jim, uh, which by the way, he doesn't like it when, when you call him Pastor Jim. So call him that next weekend when you see him. Um, but uh, he announced a couple weeks ago that he uh, is going to be going on a planned sabbatical uh, here at the very beginning of the summer. And the whole point and purpose of the sabbatical is for an opportunity to renew, to refuel, to kind of uh, refresh the emotional, spiritual, physical tanks that all of us have. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but to shepherd and lead a congregation of 700 or 1,000 people, it's a little difficult sometimes. I don't know if you guys know that, uh, but it can be a tough thing. And don't feel sorry for him. Don't feel sorry for me. This is what we recognize God has called us to do. And uh, Jim has served faithfully for many years here at Woodside. And so this is a well-earned, well-needed opportunity to intentionally break away for a season and then come back fully rejuvenated and refreshed in the fall. And so um, I want to ask you, will you start to pray for them now? Will you start to pray for Jim and his family as they take this time to really uh, kind of get away, disconnect for a season, and just kind of hear from the Lord and have this opportunity for refreshment? Another thing I want to encourage you to do is that if God has made an impact in your life through Jim's ministry, I want to encourage you, write a note to him. There's a thing called a, a pen and a paper, and what you do is you write words on that paper, and then you can hand it to him in the next couple of weeks. So do that just as a way to kind of uh, encourage him in this season. Uh, he's probably sending me angry emojis right now saying, why are you talking about this? But it's okay because he's not here. So I feel a lot of freedom. Um, keyboard warriors don't scare me. So um, anyway, uh, just recognize that that is coming. We're excited. We'll give more and more details as the weeks uh, continue on, but... Uh, let's pray for our pastor. I was trying to think of something cool and pithy to say to like segue from talking about Jim to mothering. There's not really a thing that's there to, that correlates. So happy Mother's Day to you. We'll just be firm and straight out like that. Um, and I think for all the moms in the room, even really all the parents, um, you guys give so much of your time, so much of your talent, so much of your treasure in order to raise your kids well. Hopefully you have in your mind, I would like to raise my child so that they can be a contributing adult to society when they are old enough, when they're able to, right? We discipline, we set up schedules, we put them in schools, we provide for them all for the sake of equipping them and getting them ready to engage in life for the rest of their life. Hopefully that's your purpose and vision when it comes to your kids. And oftentimes it could be a really hard thing, right? To be a parent is a very difficult, very trying thing. You really begin to learn a lot about yourself as you look at your kids and you're like, wow, I really don't have patience, or wow, I have anger issues, or wow, I'm super selfish. I don't want to wake up and watch cartoons with you at 6 a.m. Go back to bed, right? Um, all of those things requires a sacrifice. To be a parent is to give of yourself over and over and over and over again. I think anthropologists would look at society, and they have done this, and they look at the generational differences. And, you know, some of you may get a little offended, but it's fine. We have 30 more minutes for you to continue to be offended. But um, there's the generations of young people, millennials, Gen Xers, Gen Zers, whatever other alphabet they want to come up with. And you guys, parents, provided so much for them. 
you gave and you gave and you gave and you gave, but guess what? They held on, they held on, they held on, and they held on. As we give to our children, hopefully we have the mindset that they will grow up and they will give away what it is that we've given to them. Whether it's uh, skills, whether it's uh, financial prosperity, whatever those things might be. But oftentimes we see that people deal with something called selfishness. I don't wanna give these people my time. I don't wanna give these people my finances. I don't wanna give people my skills. I want things to continue to be given to me so that I can hoard those things and be okay with those things. You know, you see that maybe in the, in the workplace, right? You have those people who say, hey, I, I expect you to give me this job. Well, why do you expect that? Well, because I've been here for three months. Okay, have you done the work for three months? You know, is, is that really equating well? Well, no, but like my parents gave me stuff, so can't you give me stuff? I'm so sorry. No, I can't. Work a little bit longer, right? Um, if you're an employer, maybe you've had those conversations. All of that goes back to really us understanding what it is that God has done for us in our life because God has given us things over and over and over again. And when we look at this book and we open it and we read it, we kind of wrestle with it and we dive deep into it, what we see is that God doesn't give you things so that you can have those things and have a wonderful, your best life now. That's not what he does. What he does is he gives you these things so that you can go and give that out to other people as well. And that's our theme, that's our focus this morning, is that God gives to us so that we can give to others. God gives to us so that we can give to others. To kind of catch you up, we've been in this uh, series focusing on kind of this overflowing generosity in our life, right? When we embrace the generosity that God has for us, and we embrace it deep in our hearts and how our hope and desire is that it would overflow into every aspect and area of our lives as followers of Jesus. And Paul writes specifically about this in one of his letters to the church in Corinth. We've talked a little bit about Corinth. Let me give you kind of the quick recap. Corinth is a major trade city. It's basically a land bridge between Macedonia and Greece, ancient Macedonia and ancient Greece. And um, it, everybody went through the city of Corinth. It was a vibrant, wealthy city. Right? You had multiple cultures all coming into this one spot. It was like a cultural melting pot. You also had a lot of money going through. It's where people would go to sell goods, buy goods, transport goods, all this stuff. It was a very affluent city. And the church that was in Corinth was the church of Corinth. They didn't have a Woodside. They didn't have a Kensington. They didn't have all these other churches that we have in Metro Detroit. They had the church of Corinth. And what the church of Corinth was, was doing was saying, hey, we all believe in Jesus. Let's gather together and let's worship Jesus rather than all of these other pagan gods. And so this church in Corinth, though, they had a little bit of struggles. They had a little bit of issues. Um, if you ever, when you read First and Second Corinthians, don't think to yourself, man, this is an amazing church. Hopefully you have a little bit uh, enough of intu intuition about you when you read to say, wow, this church has got some major issues because the church in Corinth had major issues. What were some of those issues, right? There were divisions amongst the socioeconomic groups. That's a fancy word for saying there were rich people, there were poor people. The rich people were saying, hey, we want to do things our own way. We don't really want to hang out with these poor people. We, don't, we, just, we just don't, okay? Paul's saying, why are you doing that? 
Because of Jesus, you're all together. Why are, why are you creating these divisions? Other divisions came about, about ethnicities, right? Remember, Corinth is a multi, like a multicultural. There's lots of different people and backgrounds there. Well, all that's in the church as well. And what was happening even inside the church was different ethnicities were separating themselves. And Paul says, why are you doing this? Because of Jesus, you're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Stop dividing yourselves. Some of the members of the church were suing each other, right? If you're my folks who like to sit over here every week and you're my folks who like to sit over here every week, if you all decide to start suing each other, that would make a really awkward time on Sunday mornings, right? Right? It'd be a really awkward thing. And Paul's saying, why are you suing each other? Instead, go have a conversation. Go talk to the person. Well, it's difficult because if I talk to the person, they may disagree with me and it's gonna hurt my feelings. Okay, well, welcome to adulthood and welcome to knowing how to have people disagree with you and not take it personally. Paul's saying, stop suing each other, but instead bring it before the church and get the counsel of God to help you resolve your disagreement and resolve your issues. Don't resort to doing these things over here. The other thing that they were dealing with is cultural issues, right? You have the city of Corinth and all of its unique cultural aspects to it, and those things were starting to invade into the church culture. And Paul addresses it and says, hey, this is what the world is like. Don't be like the world. Don't separate yourself. Don't like hide away and create your own little country club over here, but instead recognize the cultural issues of the, world, of the city around you. Don't allow it to infiltrate into the church. And then continue to stay focused on Jesus. Have good and sound doctrine about what Jesus has said to us already. And another thing he talks about is sin. He says, hey, members of the church of Corinth, guess what? I have heard about one of your members who is in openly, he's, he's openly sinning right now, right? If you don't know what the sin was, go read 1 Corinthians chapters 1 through 4. You'll learn a lot of details about what the church in Corinth was dealing with. And Paul says, how are you allowing this member of your church who calls themselves a follower of Jesus, how are you allowing them to openly walk around in the midst of your fellowship being unrepentant, saying, ah, it's fine, it's totally fine for me to live this way. All of these things that the church of Corinth is dealing with, guess what? You can take that same filter and you can put it on the filter of the church today. Woodside, we're not a perfect church. You will never hear us say that we're a perfect church, but we try to be obedient and we try to say, hey, how do we follow the instructions from Paul and be a church that honors Jesus well? How do we do that? Another thing that Paul talks about is the issue of generosity in the church in Corinth. See, Paul planted a lot of churches and in those churches, uh, he left elders behind and he would send these letters to them uh, repetitively just to make sure everybody was doing well. And then he would go on these, on these trips, travel, travel around and minister to those churches. And the, the church in Jerusalem was a church that was really in desperate need. The church of Jerusalem said, hey, we're struggling. We're under this oppression from the Roman Empire. We just really need a lot of help. And Paul took it upon himself to say, hey, I am going to raise support for the church of Jerusalem. I will go to the churches over here, which is basically made up of a bunch of Gentiles, and we're going to raise money. We're going to help support this church in Jerusalem. And so that's what Paul's doing. He had sent a letter out already. He was saying all these things and he's getting reports back from the church in Corinth. And it's just another one of these things that Paul feels the need to address with this church. You see, somebody had come back to Paul and said, hey, they have already started raising money. It's a really great thing. 
Second Corinthians chapter seven, Paul says, hey, church in Corinth, I've heard that you already have the initiative and desire to raise this money. That's so amazing. Can you follow through on your commitment? Will you follow through on your commitment? And he goes so far as to say, listen, I've bragged about you in the church of Macedonia where I am currently. I've bragged about your generosity. I've told the church of Macedonia that you guys are raising money too. It's gonna be an amazing thing. This church in Macedonia, by the way, they're a very poor church. They don't have a lot of affluence. There's not a lot of money exchanging hands in that city and in that region. So, but they gave what they could give and they did so with a joyful heart. That's all in 2 Corinthians chapter seven. And he says, the church in Macedonia, they're excited too to hear about you, the church in Corinth that's got some, you know, you've got some money in the vaults, right? They're excited that you're gonna give too and it makes them encouraged and excited and I've bragged about you. And oh, by the way, I'm bringing some of the church in Macedonia with me. It'd be really awkward if I showed up and you guys didn't raise any money. Or it'd be really awkward if I showed up and you raised just the same amount of money that the church in Macedonia did because I know that you have more means about you. And now we get into the meat of our time together today. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 6. Look at this with me. If you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 6. The point is this, right? Paul doesn't kind of beat around the bush here. He just gets straight at it. He says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I don't think that principle needs a lot of explanation here. If you're gonna give a little out, you're gonna get a little back in return. If you're gonna give a lot out, you're gonna get a lot back in return. I think we all understand that for the most part. And he keeps going and he says, each one of you must decide, each one of you must give as you have decided in your heart and don't do it reluctantly or under compulsion from God because God loves a cheerful giver. You ever had that moment where you're like, all right, I guess I gotta write my tithe check this week or... You know, Jim talked about the automatic faithfulness with your drawing out your bank account, right? Well, okay, here you go, church. Here's this money. Here you go, missionary that I support. Here you go, nonprofit that I want to help. Here you go. I guess I have to do this as a duty. God doesn't want that from you. You're not checking a box. You're not getting a gold star. You're not getting a, hey, good job for, you know, completing this task. That's not what he wants. What he wants is he wants you to have joy in this thanksgiving and this cheerfulness about you when you actually give. And when you give, make sure it's actually been something that you've prayed about and you've gone to the Lord and said, hey, what is it that I should give? How should I give? What should that look like? And then he goes in to verse eight. And he says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that, having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God gives so that we can give. And when we give, we should be able to trust in God's all sufficiency. So think about that for a moment. Have you ever found yourself in that place where there's a request made for money and you have that money in your account? And you know it's there, you know it's available, you know you could do it. But then you get that little voice or you get that feeling of like, oh, if I do this, there goes my new car payment that I'm committing to for the next 28 months. I don't know if I really wanna do that. 
Or how about this? You go to the mortgage broker and you say, hey, I need a loan, right? And they say, oh, great. Let's see your, uh, let's see your statements, blah, blah, blah. And you give it to them and they say, hey, this is how much of a house you can afford. Here it all is. I had that experience when we bought our first home. I was so excited. They said, here's your loan amount. I'm like, sweet, we're going to get a nice house. And then my wife said, hey, have we looked at the budget? Have we looked at it to see what it is that we could actually afford when we look at our normal expenses, right? The way that we run our family budget, I've got my line item of, of our tithe at the very top. And I'm like, ooh, hmm. If I take away 75% of my current tithe, we can totally own this house, babe. It'll be amazing. We'll do so much ministry out of that house, <laughs> right? And it was one of those moments where we have to say, you know what? We've committed, we know in our heart that this is what we're called to give. Hey, thank you for the offer, but we're gonna actually go with something a little bit lower, something a little bit different. Even though we could technically afford the house, we would do so at the expense of being able to be faithful to what God has called our family to do. That's a hard question. It's a hard thing to kind of evaluate on yourself, right? To be able to say, hey, am I willing to give with a little bit of pain? Sometimes people will say, hey, pastor, just tell us how much to give. Like, tell, you know, what's, what's the right answer? We don't know the right answer. I don't know if you know that or not. We don't always know the right answers. What I like to tell people is, hey, give to the point where there's a little bit of pain. Because in that moment, what that pain reflects is that there's something that you're foregoing. There's something that you're giving up. There's something that you're willing to not have. And it's gonna cause you to do what? to look to God and trust that he will supply everything that you need. God, I choose to trust that you're all sufficient. We have to trust God's all sufficiency in our life. That's what he wants. He wants us to look to him to say, I don't, this really doesn't make sense, but God, I feel like you're telling me to be faithful to this. I don't really know, but okay, here I go. I'm gonna trust you. Here you go. And maybe it's not just with your finances. Maybe it's with your time. Maybe it's with your talents to say, God's calling you to something bigger and greater than what you have currently, it's gonna require that sacrifice. It's gonna require that little bit of a pain point. Are you trusting in God's all sufficiency to supply your needs? And look with me again back at verse eight. It says this, what's the point of being able to trust him? What's the point of his grace abounding to you? It's so that you can have this trust in his all sufficiency for all things at all times, so that you may abound in every good work. You look at all of Paul's letters, guess what phrase he likes to use? Every good work. All of his letters to the churches. What is he saying to the churches? There's good work for you to do. If you're a follower of Jesus, guess what the expectation is? You do work. Doesn't mean you're going to the factory and stamping steel. Is that, what, is that what you call it up here in Michigan? Stamping steel, right? You don't, that, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about every good work. What is that? He's talking about ministry. Ephesians chapter four. Here's, if you ever wanna know what my job description is as a pastor here or what Jim's job description or Pastor Chris, if you ever wanna know, just go to Ephesians four. Our job is to equip and empower the saints to do what? The good work. That's our job description. In two or three weeks when we have our serve day, if our team of 10 of us on staff here at Woodside Lake Orion, if it's just the 10 of us and two of you, guess what? I'm not doing my job well. 
because that means that I have not empowered you and equipped you and helped you to see that you have the opportunity to do good work to serve other people. When we have people call up to the church and say, hey, I saw this person over here. I'd love for you to go and help them. You know, my first response always and forever will be, I'm so thankful for your vision and your eyesight to see that. That's amazing. How can you go and help that person? How can you gather around with your life group and have them go and serve and be spiritual family to that person? How can you help coordinate that care? I'd be happy to give you resources, but hey, I'm gonna need you to kind of take that and run with that a little bit. How is it that you as a follower of Jesus, how is it that you're pursuing doing the good work, doing the ministry of the gospel in your spheres of influence, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your greater community at large, all around the world? I'm not a professional Christian. Yeah, I have a title. Yeah, I'm up here. I'm here every Sunday, right? But I'm not a professional Christian. And if I take everything and put it on my shoulders, I'm not doing my job well. Because you, as the saints, you as the believers, you as the brothers and sisters of Christ, you were called to be empowered and equipped by us so that you can go and do the good work of ministry. I think it's partly the reason why too. Sometimes in the lobby, I see what you guys do. You walk and you see me and you kind of put your head down. You're like, I don't want them to look at me. I don't want them to ask me to go join a group. I don't want them to ask me to lead a group. I definitely don't want to go serving kids. I definitely don't want to do kids camp, which is coming up by the way, which would be a great opportunity for you to serve at kids camp 2021. Um, Go kids. Um, Because if Sunday is only ever an event for you, where you show up on Sunday, you wave, and then you peace out and we don't see you again for a week. How do we challenge you? How do we encourage you? How do we support you? How do we really minister and serve you well? Let's not be a church like that. There's plenty of churches like that in our nation, in our city. By God's grace, Woodside, we're not gonna be like that. We're gonna serve people really well and it's not just gonna be from the paid Christians that we have on staff. I'm gonna get in trouble for that one, but let's keep rolling. Okay, so uh, verse eight, so verse nine and 10, okay, as it is written, God or he has distributed freely and he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Listen to what God does when you become a generous person. Listen to what he does. He, meaning God, who supplies the seed, okay? So all the things that you have in your life, where does it come from? God. Everything you have in your life comes from God, okay? He who supplies the seed of the sower and bread for food will supply and will multiply your seed for sowing and he will increase the harvest of your righteousness. And what's the point and the purpose? Again, verse 11, you will be enriched in every way. For what purpose? To be generous in every way. God's blessings in your life are meant to become a blessing in the life of somebody else. Well, pastor, what about the hard things I go through in my life? Does God give that to me too? I don't know. But I know that God can use the way that you walk through that hard time in your life. I know and I've seen it that God uses your pain, your hardship to help somebody else who's about to walk through that same pain and hardship that you had. This is the amazing, beautiful thing about the gospel and about the way that God is so generous with us. He teaches us and he allows us to experience things because we're not robots, 
but because he loves us and he says, I want you to spread my name. I want you to spread my good news. I want you to go and live a life in a way that tells other people not how amazing you are, but how amazing I am. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. And what does that do? It produces thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. There's a deeper fruit in giving. And that's part of what God wants us to see and what God wants us to embrace is that there are deeper fruits and that we wanna pursue those deeper fruits of giving. So when you give of your time and your talent and your treasure, do you recognize that when you come and you serve on Sunday morning with your time and your talent, do you recognize that you are making an impact, let's say in our kids ministry, to where my seven-year-old benefits from you leading him well so that he can understand more and more about who Jesus is and so that he can one day make a profession of faith. And then the rest of his eternity is set because of your willingness to sacrifice your time and your talent to do that. It's a ripple effect. It's the deeper fruit of you giving of your time and your talent. It's the same thing with giving. When you give to the Lord, right? And you give through the context of the local church. Because listen, it's okay for you to give to the Lord and give to different things. Maybe you know some missionaries overseas. Maybe there's a local nonprofit that's trying to say, hey, how do we help get people the message of the gospel? How do we help people pursue Jesus better? And you give to those things. Guess what? When you give of your treasure in that way, what you do is you supply the means for ministry to happen. I think everybody likes coming to this building where the AC is maybe working, maybe not working, right? You like coming here and seeing us on stage and hearing us maybe sometimes on stage, right? You like the fog machine because the fog machine really helps you connect with Jesus well, right? Right, all of these things, that was a joke for worship people. All of these things cost money. And as a church, this is what God has called us to do is to have facilities, to have um, opportunities like this so that we can be a lighthouse and a beacon in our community and we're making an impact in this way. So when do you give, recognize that the results of your giving have this ripple effect that affects people's eternity. Last year, we highlighted and talked about how as we sought to raise a specific amount of money to help us with our online ministry, we talked about some of the people who because of your support and your generosity towards that, guess what? They came to faith. One of them is sitting right down over here because they watched us online and they heard the gospel of Jesus through Facebook of all places. And now they're forever in eternity with God because of your generosity. That's the deeper fruit of giving is it creates this ripple upon ripple upon ripple upon ripple. Look at this in verse 13 or back to verse 12. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission, because of your generosity and your contribution for them and for all others. Not only when you give of your time, your talent, and your treasure, 
not only are you able to have that direct impact, but what you're also able to do for that child or that adult or that community or that church that's in a foreign land, what you're able to do is set them up to be able to glorify God because that is what our mission and our good work is all supposed to be about. Not so that we have our happy country club, not so that we can have our traditional church service so that we all feel good about our life because this is what we grew up with as, as kids, but we do so so that we can glorify God by the way in which we worship and give of our time and our talent and treasure. And that helps other people, other people to look up to him and say, thank you. At Woodside Lake Orion, we have a benevolence fund, a deacon fund, that when people call the church and maybe they're in a financial situation and they need a little bit of help, what we're able to do is help them evaluate their need. We're able to help look at the broader picture of why they're in that need. And then because of your generosity, Lake Orion Church, because of your generosity to that fund, we're able to supply the needs for single moms who are trying to figure out what to do next. We're able to supply the needs for a husband and wife who have a, mountain, a, a massive medical bills and they have no idea how they're gonna pay it. Because of your generosity, we're able to do that. And guess what they say to us? They say, thank you. And all we say in response is, praise be to God. Because it was the generosity and the willingness of your church family that gave to this, that enabled us to be able to help you so that you don't praise Woodside, so that you praise God for meeting your needs. Because he is all sufficient, all the time, in every single way. That is the impact that you have. That is the impact that you could have. And the question is, when it comes to our things, when it comes to our finances, or our, our times, or our talents, or our treasures, do we hold them like this? Or do we release it a little bit? Do we hold it like this? before God and say, God, I hope you help other people give a little bit more money than me. The church needs it. Number one, we don't need your money. We'll be able to make it through. But what we wanna do is we wanna equip you. We wanna empower you so that when you do give, whether it's your treasure or your time or your talent, that we can set you up so that you can go and do the work of the ministry. That is God's heart. That's how the gospel is proclaimed throughout the entire world. Not from us paid people, but from you. In the context of community, in this church spiritual family here, in the context of your life groups, context of your serving team and kids or students or holding the door for somebody or being available to pray for somebody or doing special outreach events or service projects, things like that. That's our mission, folks. And as we embrace the generosity that God has shown to us, is it overflowing out of our lives? As a church, we wanna be known as a church that's generous in all things because we look to the one who provides all things and we wanna make an impact in our community and our world for the gospel. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself to us today.